Hey moms, welcome to the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to six, and another on the way, and 25-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler. If you have not subscribed to my blog, I just want to encourage you to do that right now so you don't miss out on any posts or podcast episodes. Just go to DorendaWilson.com, get your free gift for subscribing. While, and while you're there, scroll down to the search bar and enter any keywords to find lots of encouraging content there. So today's episode is part of a series I've created called On the Porch. So many moms have told me that they wish they could sit on the porch with me for just a little bit over a cup of coffee or tea. So this is my invitation to do just that as we talk about life as moms and all that that includes. Now, a very big and important part of our lives as moms is parenting. So today I'm going to be talking um, about six discipline mistakes that parents make with my friend Ginger. Ginger has been on the podcast before a couple of different times, and um, I just love having her on here. But she, if you don't know her already, she is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I can't believe you just said that. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country and co-hosts the Parenting with Ginger Hubbard podcast. You can check her, um, check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. So here are some questions for you, moms. Do you find yourself threatening and repeating your instructions or raising your voice in an attempt to get your children to obey? Are you frustrated because it seems that no matter what you do, you just can't reach the heart of your child? Then we're glad that you are here today as gender reveals six discipline mistakes parents make and encourages us to take a more biblical, heart-oriented approach to training our children. Ginger, we are all so glad that you are joining us today. Oh, it's great to be with you, Dorinda. I always love being on your podcast, and I want to come sit on your porch one day in person. Absolutely. <laughs> I would love that. Love that. Well, you have some great things to share with us today, and I'm just going to dive right in because I'm sure that there are moms sitting there on the edge of their seat. Um, they could answer uh, yes to these questions that we just mentioned um, mm -hmm. about being frustrated and just wondering, really wondering if they're reaching the heart of their children and 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 really wanting to do that. And so, uh, moms, we're glad you're here today because you're going to really be blessed by this podcast. So. Ginger, tell me, uh, what have you found to be the primary problem with the way that the world tells us to train our children? Well, Dorinda, there are so many faulty child training methods out there. And what I've discovered to be the common denominator in pretty much all of them is an emphasis on behavioral change instead of heart change. Mm. But we need to remember that our goal is not just to get our children to outwardly comply, but to reach their hearts with the gospel of Christ. And when we adopt these popular but deceptive 
parenting philosophies and methods that the world offers, where the goal is just for behavior modification, we miss the issues of the heart and the whole purpose of biblical discipline. So we need to learn how to recognize and resist the temptation to parent as the world tells us to parent and to look to the infallible word of God, where we've been provided with everything we need for life and godliness. Second Peter 1, 3 through 5 says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Everything the world offers that's contrary to what the word of God tells us is corrupt, including the way the world tells us to parent. Mm. That is that is so true, and you know that that whole idea of getting um, pa- not not focusing on behavior, but really wanting to get to the heart. That is really something, um, as you mentioned in this this scripture, um, can only come from the Lord. It's it's something that He only He can offer us, and only He can help us with. And so I love that passage. That's so good, and I think um, you know. We all know that raising children is a long-term investment. So um, that that just lines right up with what you're saying about we're not we're not shooting for short-term behavior modification. We're shooting for a heart change, and we get to participate in that process with our kids, and that's really a huge blessing. But um, understanding what that looks like is so so important. But what would you say is our primary purpose for disciplining our children? Well, our whole purpose in training and disciplining our children is to help them understand that their sinful behavior stems from a sinful heart and that the only cure for a sinful heart is Jesus. Mm. When we depend on worldly methods for disciplining our kids that fail to expose the heart issues that drive that outward behavior, we miss the opportunity to point them to their need for Jesus, who is their only hope for real change. He's all of our only hope for real change. Mm -hmm. And so if we could view all of our children's sinful behaviors as these precious opportunities to point them to Jesus and their need for him, we would be far more righteous in our training. We would be joyful and eager all the time instead of angry and frustrated. And I mean, I'll just go ahead and tell you that I know better than anyone that's far easier said than done, but we are to strive for our attitudes to be like the attitude of Christ. And and we are going to blow it sometimes. All of us mm-hmm. are going to blow it, um, but we can be thankful in those moments that there is forgiveness and grace. Mm, I love that. You know, I just did a podcast uh, uh, several weeks ago on uh, how to keep your patience when your kids are misbehaving. And one of the first things I said was to remember that they're sinful, (laughs) that they're born (laughs) sinful. So exactly what you said there. And then just recognizing that these these opportunities to um, get to the heart are they often appear as obstacles. You know, when our children are misbehaving, it's often at the most inopportune times, the most inconvenient mm-hmm. times. And um, But to recognize that every time our children misbehave, it is just what you said, an opportunity. Um, and if we begin to look at it like that, instead of looking at it like an obstacle uh, from getting to the next thing that we want to do or accomplish or what we want our kids to accomplish, we recognize that that's actually the higher calling. And um, I just, I love the way that just uh, ties in so much with with what I've been sharing with the moms as well. Mm -hmm. But in your books, you refer to the six discipline mistakes 
um, we're going to talk about today as deceptive philosophies. And you say that's because they may manipulate the child's behavior, but they fail to reach the heart. So um, let's start with the number one discipline mistake that parents make. Okay. I think one of the most common discipline mistakes that parents make that really does fail to reach the heart and probably one of the easiest traps to fall into is bribing. Mm. It's so tempting to say something like, honey, if you obey mom in the store today, I'll give you some candy. I observed this mom in Walmart telling her three-year-old to come to her and the child ignored her mom and just took off running in the other direction. And in desperation, this mom yells down the aisle at Walmart, come to mommy and I'll give you a sucker. And of course, the child immediately went from hearing impaired to exceptional <laughs> hearing and came quickly to mom's side. But this is not training the child in obedience. This is mm -hmm. actually rewarding the child for stubbornness, mm -hmm. giving them a reward in order to get them to obey. That encourages them in selfishness because their motive for obeying is, sure, I'll obey for what I can get out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's a selfish reason. Children should be taught to obey because it's right and because it pleases God not to get a reward. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is that is absolutely true. I've seen that for myself and I probably have been guilty, might have been guilty of that a couple of times, but really tried to stay away from that. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> How about the second? All right. So another one is threatening. And this one usually comes after we've repeated our instruction several times to no avail. And so we pull out the big guns. If you don't start sharing your toys right now, I'm going to send them all off to kids who will share. <laughs> but this teaches them, sound familiar? But this teaches them that mom doesn't mean what she says. Mm. I mean, Dorinda, how many of our parents, in an attempt to get us to appreciate our toys, talked about the kids on the other side of the world who didn't have any toys? But how many of our parents actually followed through with that threat, gathered up and boxed up all of our toys, and then shipped them off to 10 buck too? Probably not right. too many. Mm -mm. We need to avoid saying things that we don't mean because this is how we get ourselves in a pickle. If we tell our kids that there's going to be a consequence, then there needs to be a consequence. Because if there's not, we're going to cause our children to question our word. And if mm -hmm. we cry wolf too many times, we'll eventually lose our effectiveness because our kids are going to lose respect for our authority. Our children need to have confidence that our word is our word. And when they have that confidence, it actually brings about a sense of security in their lives. And, you know, please don't think for one second that there weren't times that I didn't that I didn't blow it with my kids because I read all the parenting books when my kids were growing up and I even wrote a couple of them. So I totally knew better, but I still fell into some of these traps sometimes. And I actually remember one time in particular when I caught myself falling into this trap we're talking about right now of threatening my kids. I'd been telling them all day to clean their rooms and they just weren't doing it. They were just procrastinating and just not obeying. And so what did I do? I pulled out the big guns. I threw out a threat. I said, if you guys don't hurry up and get these rooms cleaned, you are not spending the night with Nana and Papa tonight. But Dorinda, I knew good and well, I wasn't about to forfeit my free night alone with no kids in order to follow through with that threat. Matthew 537 says, simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, we're to say what we mean and mean what we say 
or will exasperate our kids. Mm -hmm. And really anything other than that is it's actually unfair because mm -hmm. they don't know when to take us seriously. Proverbs 15, 28 says that we are to weigh our answers. That means that we need to think before we speak. We need to try not to issue that warning or that command unless we're willing to follow through and try not to say yes or no to something until we're sure that's our definite answer. It's okay to take a few minutes and think before we mm -hmm. speak. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay, now I can't wait to hear what number three is. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> if you think about it, threatening that we just talked about is along the same lines as repeating our instructions or even going back on our instructions, which are also traps that we don't want to fall into. My oldest son, Hudson, he is a total history buff, especially when it comes to battles and war history. And he's really helped me to have a, a much deeper understanding of battle strategies and how our military works. And one of the things that I have found really interesting is that when we look at some of the most admirable and successful generals of our country, we see that they all had one thing in common. They were certain of their commands before they issued them. Soldiers do not respect and do not respond well to uncertain or an inconsistent leader, which is interesting because that goes right along the same lines as what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 8, where he said, for if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? And mm. that's exactly how it is in parenting. If we issue these half-hearted commands to our children and we don't require them to follow through immediately, we send mixed signals. And that can even cause our children to question their own positions in the family because they'll become uncertain of when and how to respond to right. our instructions. So mm. when we're uncertain and inconsistent or wishy-washy in our instructions, it can cause our children to be insecure and unsure of their own actions. So we want to strive to lead our children with confidence so that they can find security and stability in their call to obedience. Oh, that's so good. And that is just a very core need of children is to feel safe and secure. And part of feeling safe and secure is knowing exactly where the boundaries are. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that consistent thread through each of these um, parenting mistakes. Um, how about number four? Okay, number four is when we try to appeal to their emotions instead of just requiring obedience. Mm. And as moms, you know, I think one of the most typical ways that we do that is by trying to make them feel guilty. Mm -hmm. You know, that whole after all I do for you. This is how you repay me, that whole mentality. And, you know, as moms, are in a, we do so much for our kids and we do make so many sacrifices for our kids. And so it can really... Um, it can be easy for us to start feeling sorry for ourselves mm -hmm. and think that our kids actually owe us obedience. But we want their motive for obeying to come from a heart to please God, not from a parent inflicted guilt trip. Mm -hmm. And let me just say that putting a guilt trip on our kids, that might sometimes be effective for manipulating their behavior. But even if it does, it stems from a wrong motive. It mm -hmm. would be with a motive of people pleasing. And that's just not a healthy way to live. Take right, it from a right. still recovering certified people pleaser over here. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think a lot of times the temptation to appeal to their emotions and make them feel guilty, it stems from our own sinful hearts because mm -hmm. we're selfish by nature and we're mm -hmm. tempted to internalize it when our kids choose to disobey our instructions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But here's what we need to understand. When we're being self-focused, 
we're going to view their disobedience as a sin against us instead of a Mm -hmm. sin against God. And that's a problem. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. Again, we don't want to motivate our kids to obey because it pleases us, because that can cause our kids to develop really unhealthy habits that can lead to the emotional bondage of people pleasing. Mm -hmm. We want to motivate our children to be God pleasers, not people pleasers. Colossians 3.20 says, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. That's the verse that we want to cling to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I have been so guilty of that. You know, I think because like you said, we work hard, we invest in our kids, we are making um, a continual investment into our kids. And so it is very easy to make the mistake of taking it personally when they choose to disobey. And so Mm -hmm. I love the way you sort of drew a clear line there that anytime a child sins, it ultimately isn't against us. It's against Mm -hmm. God. And you begin to recognize that. And then all of a sudden that kicks in that whole um, perspective and truth um, that everything centers around the gospel. And Mm -hmm. our, our job as parents ultimately is to bring our children to the cross and um, and this just, I love the way this all ties together because God's truths are just so consistent. You know, there's very little in this life mm-hmm. <laughs> that is unchanging and is mm-hmm. consistent, but God is unchanging. And I love that. And that's the kind of security and safety, that safe feeling that we need. It really only comes from him. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about number five. Okay, number five is actually my personal favorite as far as common worldly methods go, because it's what actually inspired the title of my first parenting book. Don't make me count to three. (laughs) There are those parents and we see them all around us who say, you know, something like, if you don't do this, by the time I count to three, you're going to get it. And Mm -hmm. then they start their count. And sometimes they even hold up their fingers as if that's going to add some sort of extra incentive. And they say, (laughs) and then they yell out one. And the child doesn't move. Two, the child still doesn't move. Two and a half. (laughs) And so it goes. Here's the thing. Children will rise to the standard that the parent set. If you don't expect your child to obey until you count to three, well, he's probably not going to obey until you count. Why not expect instant obedience? This leaves no room for question or confusion. It's so much easier and it's so much more peaceful and it's definitely more biblical. And you know what? If my small child is about to step off the curb into a busy street, I don't want to have to count to three before he obeys. Mm -hmm. Training our children to quickly obey ought to be the standard. So we need to be aware of things like bribing and threatening and repeating our instructions two or three times or raising our voices or giving them a count of three. Because these things, what they do is they draw us away from teaching our children to instantly and completely obey in uh, the way that pleases God. And let me just add that parents are often responsible for the habits of their children. Mm -hmm. Think about it. When Mm -hmm. we count to three, we cause our children to get into the habit of delayed obedience. And delayed obedience is disobedience. What counting to three does is it encourages them to put off obeying until absolutely necessary. But we want our children to view obedience as their best option, not a choice that's put off until the last minute. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and something else. Yeah. And something, one more thing. God has placed us, the parents, as the authority over our children. And he's called us to teach them to obey. But 
in order to keep that right perspective, we always need to keep in mind that our primary goal is to encourage our children to love and obey Jesus, who is their ultimate authority. So while our children are young and in our home, we have this opportunity to help them get into the habit of obeying us without delay so that hopefully when they surrender to the Lordship of Christ, they're going to find it hopefully a little bit easier to obey him without delay because they're already in the habit of obeying. They're already in the habit of honoring God by honoring and obeying their parents. So all that to say, as we consider our spiritual goals of training our children to be followers of Christ, before we begin that count to three, perhaps we should ask ourselves, do I want my child to be in the habit of obeying God the first time, the second time, or the third time? Right, right. And that's such a good kind of general question to ask, you know, as we're thinking about our response to our children's disobedience, um, what am I encouraging here? What kind of behavior and not just behavior, but what kind of thinking and am I encouraging as I follow through on this idea I have to um, to train my child? And, you know, I often would say um, when our children were very, very young and they would, you know, misbehave, I, I would ask myself, what is this going to look like in 10 years? You know, mm -hmm. is this a yep. behavior? Where, where could this lead? Because, you know, it, foolishness doesn't just immediately leave our children somewhere along the way. We have to train them because they're born sinful and they're born fools. Mm -hmm. They have to be trained to be wise. And and I talked about this in, in my podcast on keeping your patience um, when your child misbehaves. And that is, you know, you start out when they're very little. Yes, you're just telling them yes and no and yes and no. No, that's okay. Yes, this is okay. You're not really explaining because they are not really able to hear the explanation but or understand it but as they get so we're training them initially kind of behaviorally at first when they're very very small but as they get older and we um, even as young as a preschooler we can begin to explain why in simple terms we're telling them that this is right or this is wrong and mm -hmm. so as we do that, we're not only, again, not just training the behavior or trying to just get the behavioral change, we're trying to get to the heart through our biblical explanations of why things are right and wrong and why it's important for them to obey. Um, mm -hmm. So yes, we're definitely, we're wanting to uh, train the foolishness out of them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, okay, so let's go on to the last one, number six. All right. The last discipline mistake that parents might use in an attempt to get their children to obey is reasoning with small children. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not talking about older children here where mm -hmm. some mature and respectful reasoning might be appropriate sometimes. I'm talking about reasoning with really young kids. Mm -hmm. uh, something like mom asking her six-year-old, honey, don't you want to come and eat lunch now? And then they come back with something right. like, mm, no, thanks, mom. I'm playing with my cars. Oh, but sweetie, your hot dog is going to get cold if you don't come and eat now. Mm, that's okay. I think I'd rather play with my cars. Oh, but if you'll come on now and eat, I thought we might have time to go to the park after lunch. Oh, well, okay, mom. I'll be there in just a minute. You see, instead of just simply telling her son what she wanted and expecting prompt obedience, this mom is actually trying to talk her son into obedience. Mm-hmm. 
parents who try to reason with their young children normally end up frustrated and quite mm-hmm. often outwitted. Uh-huh, <laughs> and, uh-huh. then, and, then, and then they usually wind up resorting to a bribe in order to get the response thereafter. Reasoning with young children in an attempt to get them to obey, that causes confusion because it places that child in a position that they are not mature or responsible enough to handle. It erases that line of authority between the parent and the child, and it places that child on a peer level with a parent. So we need to clearly instruct our children and then expect obedience. Mm, I love that. And again, this is all going back to meeting their base need for security, knowing what to expect, knowing that there are just certain decisions that aren't theirs to make. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that's excellent. I love that. Such good stuff here. So I think a lot of us recognize these discipline mistakes as worldly methods that aren't beneficial to our children. But I love the way you clarified each one. But why do you think it's so easy, even though we know this, so e- it's so easy for us to fall into these traps sometimes? Yep. And I, and again, I fell into these traps sometimes myself. Um, again, we are selfish by nature. All mm-hmm. of us. We're selfish mm-hmm. in everything, including our time and what we put our energy into. Mm-hmm. You know, doing the right thing usually takes a lot more time and effort than doing the quick thing. Mm-hmm. We have a natural tendency these days to go for the quick, easy fixes so that we can get back to our own agendas. So we're dragged away from what God has called us to do and enticed by what we want to do. James 1.14 says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. And, you know, again, I'm a lot of times the pot calling the kettle black here. I'm just as selfish as the next person by nature. But we are called to train our children in the ways of the Lord and to point them to their need for Jesus. Um, So we also have to remember in the midst of this that we need Jesus to help us do that. So we need to cry out to God and seek him in our weaknesses because 1 Corinthians 12.10 assures us that when we are weak, he is strong. And let me just reiterate again, the discipline mistakes we've talked about today, um, and I know you've reiterated as well, they're ineffective because while they may manipulate the child's behavior to a certain extent, all of these will to a certain extent, but they all fail to reach the heart. Um, Mm. But these methods are all certainly very, very popular in our world today, which is why Colossians 2.8 warns, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Dorinda, you know as well as I do that we live in an age that defies God and his word at every point, including child training. The world tries to tell us how to train our children, but Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. You see, the world exalts all of these experts and tries to convince us uh, that their parenting methods are best. But 1 Corinthians three eighteen tells us the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. God's word is truth. God's mm-hmm. word is wisdom. So we need to make sure that the people we're listening to, the people who are encouraging us in our parenting, that those people are depending on the life-giving truths of God's word to do it. Hmm. That's so good. Yes. And you know, I what you were saying about uh, our dependency as parents on the Lord um, reminds me, I, I often tell parents, you know, um, allow God to disciple you as you disciple your children. So it's kind of this beautiful circle. You know, we're we're mm-hmm. not in there trying to just 
pretend like we know everything or, or, you know, lean on our own devices or our own self-sufficiency to parent our children. We need the Lord to do, um, to parent them the way that, that will um, basically affect their hearts. And because this, this is for the rest of their lives. You know, as I tell moms all the time, you have your kids for a very short portion of their, you know, of the entirety of their life. We have a, them for a fraction of that time. And we get to invest in, in the investment that we make as we take the time to do these things the way that the Lord has called us to and walk in obedience to Him. We not only affect our children, we, we affect our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. We also affect all the people that associate with that child at work, at mm-hmm. church, in their social life, in their marriage. So this is this is huge. We often think, you know, just one child, but that's not really what's happening. You're investing in that child, but that child is going to go out into the world and affect many, many other people. So mm-hmm. it is absolutely essential that we are leaning hard on the Lord for his wisdom and to walk um, in obedience to his ways. So Mm -hmm. now that you've talked about the discipline mistakes parents make and why they aren't beneficial, um, how about if, uh, why don't you go ahead and summarize the three-step plan that you offer in your parenting books, which offer a more biblical, heart-oriented approach for raising our kids? Sure. Step one is heart probing questions. Uh, You know, if you think about it, all the stories in scripture, when someone did something wrong, Jesus didn't wave his finger in their face and say, this is what you did wrong, and this is what you should have done instead. He didn't do that. He often used heart-probing questions. And in order for the people to answer those questions, they had to evaluate themselves because Jesus knew how to ask those questions in such a way that the people would have to take their focus off of the circumstances and the situations going on around them and onto the sin in their own hearts. So Mm -hmm. in my parenting book, um, I can't believe you just said that, every chapter addresses a different verbal Um, and behavioral struggle that kids have, like lying, defying, tattling, whining, and just a whole lot more. I addressed every one that I could think of. And for each specific issue, I offer two or three very simple questions to help parents reach past that outward behavior and pull out what is going on in the heart. Then in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, we're instructed to put off our old self and to put on our new self. Those verses say, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So step two is what to put off what God's word says about that particular behavior and what it can lead to if, it, if it's continued. And then step three is what to put on, how to replace mm-hmm. what is wrong with what is right. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head a few minutes ago, Dorinda, when you said uh, that we want to train the foolishness out of our children, but it's never enough to do that. We also want to uh, teach them to replace that foolishness with wisdom. So we mm-hmm. always want to take it a step further. And a lot of times parents fall short right there. They have this tendency to tell their kids what not to do and then just to administer some sort of a consequence. But it's equally important, if not more important, that we walk them through what is right. Mm. Because basically what you're doing is you're equipping. Mm -hmm. You're equipping them when you tell them what to put on, they're going to 
eventually, you know, we talk about, we talk about this over and over and over again with our kids, because again, we're training them and training indicates repetition. But as we repeatedly go through these things, these heart probing questions, what to put off and then want what to put on, we are equipping our kids for life. Because if, if we as adults can ask ourselves the heart probing questions, we can more quickly get to the bottom of what's really the issue. And um, that makes for a very healthy adult mentally, you know, emotionally, spiritually. Um, the other thing I love about heart probing questions is it requires ownership. Mm-hmm. You know, when we ask our kids these kinds of questions, they actually, in order, if they if they're going to answer the question, they have to actually own what's happening instead of, like you said, pointing to their circumstances, because we, we, you know, as as humans, we, we really like to point the finger somewhere else and, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) think that we're the victim. It's, it's not us, it's somebody else or something else or our circumstances. And, um, you know, those heart probing questions are what help us own the fact that we are, you know, we're dealing with our own heart issues that God says often come from a sinful place. But then in that process, as we put off, move on to putting off and putting on, um, God uses all of that to redeem, to bring redemption into those areas of our lives. So this is not just great for parenting. This is great for us as adults um, to do this, you know, in our own hearts along the way. And another thing that I wanted to mention too, as you mentioned earlier about, you know, kids are selfish, parents are selfish, we're all born selfish. And so we often make, we'll make mistakes as parents. And I, I've had moms reach out to me and say, you know, I've, I just know that I've been really not doing this well for a while, but now my child is 10, 11, 12 years old. And, you know, what can I, is there hope? Can I change? My, my answer to that is always a resounding yes. Mm-hmm. And instead of just saying, we'll just implement the changes that, you know, you're, you're hearing and learning. I also encourage them to go to their children and to say, listen, I um, I have not been doing this the way that God says that I should. And because of that, you know, I've, I've been making some mistakes and, and that's affected you negatively. I've been te- training you in a way that um, isn't actually biblical. And I want to begin to walk that out uh, better. Um, I want to. I want to obey the Lord. You know, just essentially setting an example of repentance, so that they have sort of a heads up. Like things are going to change, and Mom's going to do things differently because again, they become insecure if we just change the plan and change our approach, and they have no idea what's happening. Mm-hmm. I think, when, especially when they're a little bit old, even when they're quite young, you can say that to them. I, I believe, and just say, "Mommy's going to work a lot harder on." Um, disciplining you and training you the way that God says to, because that is, um, that's what's good for you. We want what's best for you. And this is what's best for you. So I just want to encourage a parent out there. If you're feeling like, oh goodness, I don't know if it's too late to start this. Um, it is absolutely not. God is, he can make up for what the locusts have eaten and, um, just bring a real transformation. So um, okay, so I moving on, I want to, um, I know that one of the ways that you're encouraging parents is through your new podcast, which I am so excited about, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. It's called Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. And guys, let me just stop here for just a minute. Um, she, Ginger, as you can tell already, if you've never heard her before, she's very straightforward, very practical, just 
tools that you can just take home and immediately begin to implement. So, um, but Ginger, I'd like you to briefly tell our listeners what they can expect if they subscribe to your podcast. Sure. I'm so excited about it. Uh, The podcast is Parenting with Ginger Hubbard, and it's a weekly podcast where our primary goal is to encourage and equip parents to reach beyond outward behavior, address the issues of the heart, and point their children to the transformational power of Christ. And from a practical standpoint, we really want to help parents move past the frustrations of not knowing how to handle issues of disobedience and defiance and into a confident and biblical and well-balanced approach to raising their children. And they can get uh, more information about my podcast at gingerhubbard.com. Wonderful. And we will make sure that we include all the contact information in the podcast notes, including um, your podcast, a link to your podcast so that um, the listeners will have an easy time connecting with you because I know they're just going to be really blessed um, through your resources. But as we come to a close, um, can you just offer our listeners one final word of encouragement? Sure, I would love to. And I actually just want to kind of hit back on what you just said with that, because it could be uh, that some of our listeners today have fallen into some of these traps and they might be feeling a little bit discouraged after listening to this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, They might be thinking that they've already, like you said, that they've already blown it and that it's just too late or or too overwhelming to start completely Mm -hmm. over with a whole new way of training. But like you said, Dorinda, it is never too late to begin training your children in the ways of the Lord. The thing is, God knew when you would hear this message and Mm. he knows your heart to raise your children in the truths of his word. And his timing is always perfect. May not be our timing, but it's always perfect. You know, uh, real quickly, my parents didn't come uh, become Christians and they didn't start implementing biblical principles into their parenting with me until I was 18 years old. Mm. And at first I, I did resist and it was it was pretty ugly. But let me tell you something. God's word does not return void. So be encouraged, be excited that God has provided you with everything you need for a fresh start. And remember, his mercies are new every morning and great is his faithfulness. Mm, I love that. I love that. And just FYI, um, we're going to be doing another podcast together on parenting rebellious teens. And Ginger will be speaking from experience. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Lots of experience so, there. <laughs> we encourage you to listen to that podcast as well. Ginger, would you mind closing in a word of prayer? Absolutely. would love to. Lord Jesus, we just come before you, Father, and uh, we, we just thank you so much for the truths of your word, that you truly have given us everything that we need uh, for life and godliness, Lord, and that you equip us um, through your Holy Spirit, through your word, Lord, as we come to you and we uh, just bow down and lay all of our weaknesses at your feet, Lord. You tell us that when we are weak, you are strong. And so, Lord, we just confess to you that we are all so weak and so selfish and so wrapped up in our own sinful hearts. But Lord, Lord, we pray that you would um, just always show your grace and your mercy and bring us back around to you, to where we are utterly and completely dependent on you. And Lord, help us to be faithful and consistent in pointing our children to you because you are truly our only hope for uh, redemption. And so we thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. We thank you that you are actively involved in our lives. And that when we come to you in prayer, you uh, promise that you will help us and that you will give us wisdom. And so we thank you for that. And uh, we thank you for what you're going to do in the hearts of our children as we seek to point them to you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.